Late winter is peak season for student absenteeism, and educators across the nation are looking for ways to combat the problem. The reasons to care about absences are clear enough. Strong attendance is associated with better academic performance and a greater chance of completing high school, and most states have now incorporated measures of chronic absenteeism into their school rating systems. For some schools, funding systems based on average daily attendance create an additional incentive to get kids to show up. But accomplishing that goal can be harder than it sounds. Can behavioral science help reveal what works and doesn't to improve school attendance? I'm Marty West, editor of Education Next, and I'm joined today by Todd Rogers, professor of public policy at the Harvard Kennedy School. Along with Carly Robinson of the Harvard Graduate School of Education, Todd's the author of How to Tackle Student Absences, available now at educationnext.org. Todd, welcome to the EdNext podcast. Thanks for having me, Marty. So you've been working on this problem of how to encourage attendance for some time and in a variety of different approaches. What have we learned so far? What's the most effective intervention that school districts can use to tackle this problem? Well, I don't know about the most effective, but we've been studying a bunch of different approaches. And I'll describe one that has proven to be robust and pretty powerful. So it's modeled after these home energy reports that many households, millions of households in the U.S. and around the world receive, which basically are these quarterly or monthly mailings that compare your energy use to your neighbors. For one of the first projects I started in this education on absenteeism space was looking at parents' false beliefs. Parents hold two core false beliefs that are robust across dozens of districts we've looked at it in. The first is how many days their kid has been absent. So parents underestimate their kid's absences by half. And do you think that's because they're just not aware of whether their child is showing up at school, or do you think they're just sort of lying to themselves? They want to believe something that's uh, better than it actually is. I, I think it's the latter. I don't think they're lying to themselves. I, Excuse me, I don't think that they're being deceived about kids cutting school, because this is true K through 12. So certainly there are 11th graders who are cutting school who the parents don't know about, but parents underestimate their own kids' absences even in first grade. The way we think about it is that it's just hard to keep track of these things. 180 days passes, and yeah, my kids missed a few days. I don't know, maybe eight, and turns out I'm downwardly rounding. Mm -hmm. So the first false belief is they, they think their child is absent less than he or she actually is. What's the second false belief? The second is parents of kids who miss more school than their classmates, the vast majority of them think their kid misses the same or less school than their classmates. So you, they can be forgiven for that because no one ever tells them what normal is and people who they're friends with are like them or they just imagine everyone's like them. So it naturally inspired us to do this mailings, these five rounds throughout the year timed so that they're actionable, uh, mailings focusing on correcting these false beliefs. We did it in Philly with 30,000 students uh, in a randomized experiment, reduced chronic absenteeism by 10 to 15%. Then we did it again in 10 to 15, 10 more districts in California, reduced chronic absenteeism 10 to 15%. And, it, and then we did it in Chicago public schools with 20,000 families. 10 to 15%. So it's sort of really robust, strangely robust. And as you know, research and education rarely is replicated, let alone when replicated, it actually continues to work. It makes sense to me that this may be a powerful intervention. I'm someone who gets one of those utility bills that you referred to earlier. And I know that uh, seeing whether I'm as efficient then or more efficient as it was the case last month than my most efficient neighbors. Good for you, you know, Marty. Good motivator <laughs> for me and for my family. Uh, so it seems as if this 
logic of, I don't know if you would call it social pressure that you're trying to capture in order to influence behavior could really be a powerful driver. I think what we're doing, I, I really think the driver is not the social pressure so much as directing parent attention in a ongoing, lasting way to something over which they have agency. So they're like, you tell a parent that their kid isn't doing well in school, every parent has a different belief about what the education production function is. That is what they should be spending their time on uh, and how to improve academic performance. But if you inform parents that there's an attendance problem and many of them don't even realize there is, it's, they have much more clarity on what they need to do. And that's an interesting way to think about it because some of the pushback that I've heard in the field about this idea of holding schools accountable for their students' attendance is that schools actually don't have much agency over that, that it's hard to influence what families do. Uh, and so your research to some degree is showing that schools can take some agency, but they're doing it by harnessing something that parents do actually have control over. Yeah, that's really interesting, right? I think that's right. I, um, I, that's in contrast to some of the best research on reducing absenteeism that has been done, has been done in Chicago Public Schools with the Urban Education Lab, uh, John Gurian and team. And they evaluated truancy officers using randomized experiments where a full-time truancy officer devoted to 20 to 30 kids checking in twice a week, checking with the parents twice a month for a two-year relationship, like a really intensive focus on absenteeism. Their primary outcome is absenteeism. They reduced absenteeism by up to three days per kid per year at a cost of $500 per net day generated. Our intervention that I just described reduces absenteeism by at a cost of about $5 per net day generated, one one hundredth as expensive. And so like, if a school were to say, what can we do? A truancy officer is a completely sensible thing they can do in the school. But it turns out the parent is a really high leverage point and schools don't communicate very well or frequently with parents. Now we've been talking about your more successful attempts to improve attendance, but you've also run into some challenges as I understand it. You discussed them in the article. So we've been talking about what works. Tell us what doesn't work and what schools may want to shy away from as they think about this problem. Yeah, we, we started a whole program of work trying to look at how to reduce absenteeism. And the most robust and reliable and replicated and increasingly effective is this repeated mailers that are data informed and targeting false beliefs. We then also studied a very common practice in schools, which is giving awards for excellent attendance. And we actually convinced, I think it was 10 or 15 school districts involving I think 15,000 high school kids to do an experiment where we were gonna give these kids an award for excellent attendance. I'll describe the simplified version of it. Kids all had at least one perfect month of attendance in the first semester. So these are all kids who we can say congratulations for a perfect month of attendance at some point. At the end of January, they're, sent, they're randomly assigned to a control group, and this is the simplified version, or a treatment group, where the treatment group is sent a really nicely embossed sign, like certificate that says, Marty, congratulations on a perfect month of attendance. It, was, it cost us 80 cents per printed certificate plus postage, and that's, that's expensive for, uh, like it's an embossed, really fancy mm -hmm. postage piece. We predicted that this would reduce absenteeism. And that's what 90% of schools that were tell us they use attendance awards would predict that this would reduce absenteeism. It turns out giving kids these awards resulted in increased absences relative to control. In giving them an award for excellent attendance resulted in them missing more school in the next month. What do you think happened? Well, we were baffled by this. 
Uh, it was certainly not what we expected. We never would have run it. You, so, re you pre-registered your hypothesis in advance, right? As a good social scientist, you said, this is what we believe will happen. This is how we're going to analyze the data. So we actually have a, a record of your expectations. Yeah, we, we pre-registered it so that it, because we thought it was such a layup, and then it comes in as the exact opposite. So we, in follow-up studies, we have found that in addition to saying congratulations, we're proud of you, it also tells kids they attended school more than their classmates. It also tells kids that they attended school more than we kind of expected of them. So good job, you've overshot the mark. And so that signal appears to inform kids where I'm doing what these people want me to be doing, but if I don't really want to go to school, I'm sort of overshooting the mark anyway. And you just gave us the simplified version, as you said, but I'm going to ask you to elaborate a bit and tell the full story because there was a second treatment group, as I recall, that uh, was not rewarded for their prior perfect month of attendance, but actually was told that they would get a certificate if they were to get a perfect month in February, the month when they were receiving this notice. Now, it wasn't as clear from the data that there were adverse consequences for attendance for this group, but it looked as if that may have been the case. So even if the war award was offered on a prospective basis where the student would have incentive, seems like things could may have gone wrong. Yeah, that was the more complicated version is there was, in addition to a what we call retrospective award, congratulations for past attendance, we also had a condition where we say, if you have a perfect month in February, we'll give you the award, so a prospective. And the prospective had no net effect in the month that was focused on. So relative to control, the award, the, pro, the promise of an award did not increase attendance. And after that time window ended, subsequent attendance in that group was, was less again than the control group. Meaning once that window ended, somehow it, it had sent some signal to these students that perfect attendance is beyond what is necessarily expected. I think there's also something really interesting in the data. Again, this is all inconsistent with what we predicted, uh, but there's a really interesting thing that is consistent with our story, which is that the lowest attending, the lowest performing students show the biggest decrement in subsequent absences, which is the students who uh, like being in school perhaps the least feel the most licensed when they get the award to not go to school after getting the award. So in the line of research that we've been talking about so far, you've been seeking to try and draw on insights from behavioral science in order to help school districts figure out how to improve student attendance with some success. Are there other outcomes beyond attendance where this same approach might be useful in helping districts to figure out what works and uh, what doesn't? Well, I'll tell you about something that my lab is really excited about that's in the field right now. Uh, and there are two of them. One is we're working on teacher absenteeism uh, because in some of these, in most large urban districts, the modal number of teacher absences is the maximum number of absences allowed, which is usually in excess of 10 days. Uh, of course, they're contractually allowed, but I think that, uh, that teachers don't realize that, that they are missing more than their peers, and we don't know the causal effects of teachers missing school. So we're actually doing similar kinds of interventions, or we're hoping to, or we're doing in the preliminary stages, uh, to increase teacher attendance and see the ripple effects on kids. That seems like it could be a real challenge uh, in the sense that there already, if the situation is as you describe it, and I think that is the case, there is a pre-existing norm where a lot of teachers are missing a lot of days. So it seems like it would be harder to draw on that 
sort of social dynamic or correcting the false beliefs in the way you did for children? So the modal number of absences is the most allowed. Uh, I bet the average is a lot less. Mm. Uh, and we don't need to improve everyone's attendance. We need to improve the outliers. But that's, res- that's work in progress. One that's in the field that we're really excited about that leverages another body of work that some people might be familiar with from the New York Times popularizing how to fall in love with someone in 25 questions. There was a, they did this, it was one of the most popular news stories a couple years ago, and they did a modified romantic version of a study and scale that was developed in the 90s by social psychologists to make people friends. And it's a fast friends induction. So we uh, modified the fast friends version for sixth graders and ninth graders, rising uh, sixth and ninth graders, kids who are transitioning into schools that they don't already have any relationships in, or many. And we're uh, doing an intervention where we make kids friends. And it starts with questions like, Marty, what's your favorite movie? And ends with things like, when was the last time you cried and why? And who's the most important person in your life? And it turns out people feel really close and connected. And so we're in the field right now on an experiment where we're just inducing kids to be friends and looking at how it increases the, their social emotional growth, their belonging, their academic performance, um, and ultimately their thriving. Now let's go back to the topic we started with of improving attendance. A major challenge for researchers like us is getting our ideas adopted when we show that something's effective. We publish papers, maybe do a podcast interview, and then we you know, cross our fingers and hope that it takes hold. As I understand it, you've gone a bit further with this line of work and actually launched an organization that is now trying to partner with school districts to help them adopt some of the strategies you've proven to be effective. Tell us a bit about In Class Today. In Class Today is the funnest thing I've ever been involved in. So I did this research over the last seven or eight years, assuming that if we do good research and it replicates and it's powerful and it moves the needle on things we care about, it will get adopted much to my surprise, and maybe not yours because you've been at this education game longer than me, uh, writing a nice paper in a good journal somehow doesn't get universal (laughs) adoption. So some districts asked me to help them. Uh, I tried to help them do it themselves, and for a variety of reasons, including difficulty with data, difficult with direct mail production, dynamic production, and timing, and writing of content. Uh, They couldn't do it themselves. So we started an organization to help them. Uh, It's called In Class Today. And this year, we're sending over a million of these interventions. Uh, Every day, there are thousands of kids. Every single school day, there are thousands of kids who would not be in school otherwise because the intervention is just being adopted at scale. Uh, And it's helping districts all over the country. One of the cool things to me about it is just the organic growth because for a variety of reasons, including Every Student Succeeds Act, uh, districts really care about absenteeism now. And there's nothing else that really can be implemented at scale that works. Uh, but additionally, the, and you will appreciate this and your listeners will appreciate this, by having a research mentality, the organization runs lots of A-B experiments. And so the intervention now is about 50 to 100% more effective now than it was in the original paper because they figured out optimal targets, optimal timing, optimal content, optimal frequency. And you know, it's that, that, like, that's what an organiz- I would imagine an organization should do. And it's so rare, certainly in education that I've encountered, to have this kind of the constant learning, continuous learning cycles. My guest today has been Todd Rogers, professor of public policy at the Harvard Kennedy School and co-author of How to Tackle Student Absenteeism, available at educationnext.org. Todd, thanks for being part of the podcast. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Marty. You've been listening to the EdNext podcast. If you like what you've heard, Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, 
or wherever you get your podcasts so that you don't miss an episode. While you're there, be sure to check out our archive and, especially if you're listening through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. It helps us find more listeners and more listeners to find us.